I want to start this morning with a story. This story is about a father, a wife, and their 13-year-old daughter. Now, they're members of a local church only a few blocks away from their home. And the youth group are having a gathering on Saturday. So the daughter asked the parents, just give me a little freedom. Let me walk by myself. We all been there. It's hard to let our kids go. So the parents decide, okay, we're going to let you walk to church. However, you got to let us know when you get there and let us know when you're leaving to come back home. So, man, the girl's happy. She heads off to church. She gets there. Hey, Brian. She texts mom and dad, I'm here. Perfect. That's great. The youth group has its function, and they finish. The girl texts mom and dad, I'm on my way home. Good. Well, on her way home, she rounds a corner, and there's two boys fighting. And one of them pulls out a gun and starts shooting, and the girl's accidentally hit with a bullet. Now, this boy is only 14 years old, went to court, he only gets three years in juvenile detention. But the girl suffers from her gunshot wound in and out of the hospitals. Well, after eight years, this young man's been out of juvie for five years. But the daughter dies from complications from the gunshot wound. Well, that didn't seem like very much justice to the dad. His daughter was cheated out of life to grow up, get married, and have children. And this young man's just walking free. I'll stop the story there for right now. Well, you'd probably want justice too, wouldn't you? I would. Church, I know me. I know Vernon. And I guarantee you things wouldn't be well for that young man. However, I pray to God that he'd help me. But in this flesh, I really don't know. So we're going to get back to this young man and the dad later. Right now, I want to get to our proposition. Our proper proposition is to treat others the way you want to be treated and leave justice to the Lord. That's hard. All of us want justice when we've been wronged. Have you ever bought something or saw it on a commercial and went and got it? And when you got home, you found out what it was really worth? You were wronged. You were cheated. The first thing you want is justice. You want to go back and take that and give it to the person you got it from. I hear you. You got cheated. How about this? Maybe someone, maybe you needed something done and you asked someone to do it for you. They said, yeah, they would do it. But not because they forgot to do it. They just found something better to do and didn't do it. You think to yourself, okay, 
You wait till you ask me to do something. You're going to get your justice up after all, aren't you? Well, we're going to look into the book of Solomon and see what God has to say through him about us, what the Lord thinks about dishonesty, and who the one to really get justice is. Point for today. Revenge and justice belongs to the Lord, not you. Proverbs 22, 2. The rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. Proverbs 29, 13. The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. So, we got this phrase, the Lord is the maker of them all. If you're here today and you're a Christian, then you ought to know and believe that all mankind, male, female, no matter, no matter what ethnic group they are, they were all made by the word of, the, of God, and that's the Lord. The Lord made everything. You've heard it from John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus is the maker of all, rich and poor. Then the next verse, adding to this blessing that we all come from a common bond, he says, the Lord gives light to the eyes of both. This phrase, gives light to the eyes, it means to sustain or maintain or prolong. Therefore, we can read this verse, the Lord sustains or maintains, prolongs the life of both the poor man, the oppressor. He prolongs the life of all of us. He sustains us all. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he says, He, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things are held together. God's Son was there in the beginning before anything was there. And he causes everything to continue in its place. The writer of Hebrews wrote it this way. In the beginning, God worked through his son to make the whole universe. He decided everything should belong to him his nature is the same as God's nature. The Son's powerful word continues to cause everything to, to be sustained. 
It's Jesus. It's the Lord that holds us all together. He's our common bond. The Lord gives life to the rich, the poor, and the oppressor. He gives and sustains us all. He is our common bond. Amen? He also holds each one of us responsible for the truth. Proverbs 20.10 says, Differing weights and differing measures, both of them are abominable to the Lord. Now, let's try to make some sense of this. People in Bible times, you know, when they were selling and buying things by the length, they didn't have anything like this. They didn't measure things with something like this. They probably had something similar to this. It's called a pace. It's kind of like our yardstick. A pace. It's the average step of a man, about three feet. On this measuring rod or stick or whatever it is they had, They'd have marks on it for a hand's breadth, which is three inches, a span, nine inches, and you've all heard a cubic. A cubit is the distance from the point of a man's, average man's finger to the tip of the, the elbow. It's about 18 inches. So when you went to the market, if you were a maker of goods, material, cloth, rope, whatever it was that you would sell by length, You'd go to the market and see the merchant to sell your stuff to him. And he'd use something similar to this and measure what you had and pay you for the goods that you had. Now, if you went to the market to buy something from the merchant, he would pull out something that looks something like this. He'd measure what you had to sell and he'd pay you, and you'd go on your way. And I know you're saying, that's the same thing, Vernon. Looks the same, right? However, when we hold them together, somebody's getting cheated. The merchant buying things from you, he'd use the longer one, which is more than what it's actually supposed to be. So you would be getting less money for what you were selling. He'd be getting more material for what he's buying. But if you were buying something, he'd use the shorter one. So you'd be getting cheated. If you were buying a cubit, you wouldn't really get a cubit. You'd get something less. The truth of the matter is, is somewhere in between these. If you went to the market to sell something by the pound. Now, I looked. Some of you know I asked you for a, a scale. You know, you've seen the scales of justice. Okay. They have a, a sometimes you can see one that's just a beam that's got a, a plate on both sides, balance weights. Well, if you were selling something by the, I'm going to use pound because we all understand pound. He would put something on one side that looked like a pound. And then he'd put your material, your stuff that you were selling, until it balanced out. 
and that's how you would sell your goods. Now, if you were buying something, he'd put, again, put something on this side that looked like a pound, and he'd put the goods on here, and he'd sell that to you. Not knowing to you, when he was buying from you, the weight on this side was more than what it was supposed to be. You're getting less for what you're selling. But if you're buying, this over here will weigh less than what it was supposed to, so you're getting less. Differing weights and differing measurements are abominable to the Lord. He hates a cheat. Someone that's dishonest. Solomon had to say a verse or two earlier, chapter 11, verse 1, was similar to this verse. He says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. What's God saying? Well, let's try to figure out. What is he? He's saying that God detests dishonesty, fraud, or a cheat. Now, I'm, I'm going to say something here. Ryan, I'm going to try to get this right for you. Now, some of you don't know me real well. You don't know how that much I like technology and social media. Really, I hate both of them. But when you're at work and you're supposed to be doing your work, getting paid for eight hours, and you're on that phone on social media, and you're looking at um, ebook or face mail or X. <laughs> Did I get one of them right? One. Not even X. Okay. All right. All right. I hate that stuff. All right. But just say you're at work and you're supposed to be getting paid for eight hours work. And you're on your phone and you're scrolling through this stuff. You're cheating the company you work for. You might as well be stealing from them. The Lord detests and hates a cheat or dishonest person. Give to others and God what you should be given to them. God desires for you to give what's expected of you and a little more. What do you mean, burning a little more? When you're working and you're doing a job for somebody, you agreed to do this, do that, and a little more. That's honesty. You see, God says that if you do that, He's going to fill your pocket so full that it's going to overflow. That's what he wants from us. He doesn't want us to be dishonest and cheating people. He wants us to be honest. And he's going to reward us for that. Are you an honest person or a cheat? The truth's going to be revealed. 
Proverbs 14, 13, 31. He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker. But he who is gracious to the needy honors him. In other words, if you mistreat the poor or cheat your boss, dishonest to somebody, you're insulting your creator. You're insulting Jesus. But if you're kind to them and honest, you show God respect. Remember our first two verses? The Lord gives life to the rich, the poor, and the oppressor. He gives and sustains the life of us all. Well, he who made you in the womb made them also. He's our common bond. It offends the Creator when you mistreat those less fortunate than you. We're both His creation. Let's act like that and stop being dishonest with people. Think about a family member of yours that you're especially close to. Your spouse. <laughs> I'm really close to my wife. Your children. Your brothers, your sisters, your parents. When somebody does something wrong to them and mistreats them, you feel like you've been attacked, right? You attack my family, you're attacking me. God says he's so closely identified with those poor and the oppressed that what you do to them, you do to him. Proverbs 22, 22. Do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate. The poor in this verse may not just be someone of low or no income. The poor can be anyone that has less than another. In a court of law, when it comes to influence over the case, the one that can afford a better representation usually has the upper hand. We see it every day. If you have enough money, you can buy your way out of anything. Most or probably all of us in here are poor compared to somebody that's got a million dollars in the checking account, right? By the way, if you got a million dollars in your checking account, I'm not near close enough brother to you. <laughs> Come see me after church. <sighs> All right, let's move on. When Solomon wrote this proverb, the leaders of the 12 tribes were the ones who sat in judgment over the quarrelsome cases of the people. You see, they would sit in seats at the city gates or at the temple doors and judge each person's case. 
So this verse can actually read, do not take advantage of those with less wealth or influence than you or cheat them in court. Maybe make sure that they do have proper representation. I'm not saying that you're wrong, uh, that they're wrong and you're right and you want to win, but you shouldn't cheat them by making sure they can't afford or they don't have the right representation. Treat others the way you want to be treated. If you don't listen to this verse, listen to what the next verse has to say. Verse 23. The Lord will plead their case and take the life of those who robbed them. This phrase, take the life, literally means rob the soul. The Lord will plead their case of the poor and rob the soul of those who rob them. <laughs> That's a pretty stern statement from the Lord, church. If someone's dishonest or cheats you, you're not to judge them and take revenge and give judgment or get justice. Don't say, I'll do to them what they did to me. Remember, someone didn't do something for you, so you say, oh, wait till they get, want me to do something. Don't say that. God's word says, don't say, I'll do to them what they did to me. Instead, remember what God says in Romans 12, 19. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. That's tough, church. Tough message to preach this morning. I was kind of leery. I want to share a few things with you about justice. These are my thoughts, and not everyone agrees with me. Maybe even some of you in here won't necessarily agree with everything I say. But I've got to say it anyway. The Lord gave it to me, i got to say it. One day, church, one day, every person that's ever been born or will be born is going to stand before the Lord at the great white throne of justice. Don't think just because you're saved, you're not. Everyone is going to have to give an account for the things that they have said and done. You see, the book of life is going to be opened. And there's going to be other books there. Anyone's name not written in the book of life is going to be thrown in the lake of fire with Satan and his angels. People are going to be pleading with the Lord saying things like, Didn't I not prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I perform miracles in your name? You guys have heard it before. You've read your scriptures. You know that. But let me share some other things with you that are going to be pleading at that day. You see, there's going to be people pleading things like, didn't I go to church on Sunday and Wednesdays? 
Didn't I give my offerings? Didn't I play an instrument or sing on the worship team? Didn't I run the sound and media equipment? Didn't I work in the children's department? Lord, didn't I clean and work around the church on work days? And the Lord's going to declare to them, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. Then those whose name is written in the book of life, Jesus is going to stand there and the other books are going to be opened. Here's where every word and deed that you've ever said or done that did not glorify God is going to be recorded. You see, Jesus is going to open it up and reveal it to everyone that's standing there. God's going to expose all the things that you've done that didn't glorify His Son. You're going to feel guilt. You're going to feel shame like you've never felt before. And you know what the Lord's going to do? He's going to say, all these things have been covered by my blood. And then all those things that you did and said that glorified God, they're going to be revealed too. And Jesus is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into my wedding feast. Jesus is the judge and the one to get justice, not you. Amen? Amen. When somebody's wronged you, cheated you, ask the Lord to help you through it and not seek fleshly revenge or justice. Because at the end right there, he'll get justice. But he also gets justice in the lives of those who do things wrong now to you. Let's get back to our story from the little boy and the little girl. You see, the dad found out where the boy was working. His little girl had died. So he took a gun, and he went to confront this young man with a gun. He found the young man coming out of a Christian youth center and he stopped him and pointed the gun right at him and he asked him, is there something you'd like to say right now before justice is served? Now the young man told the dad how the leader of the Christian youth center came to see him while he was in juvie those three years. Every week came and told him about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then when the young man got out of juvie, the Christian youth leader got him a job there at that Christian youth center. And he told the father how he had felt such conviction from the Lord and just tore up, couldn't stand himself. He couldn't bear the burden of the sin he had done by shooting that young girl. It might have been an accident, but he couldn't stand it anymore. He told the dad he had wanted to come see him and his mother 
many times. But the courts wouldn't allow it. Then he told the dad how he had accepted Jesus' forgiveness for his sin. And how Jesus had come into his life and he had become a Christian. Then the young man said to the dad, I'm standing here before Jesus. One day I'm going to stand before Jesus and justice will be served. But right now, justice is pretty well being served now. I ask you, forgive me for accidentally shooting your daughter. But if you can't, and this is how God's going to take me home, then pull that trigger because I forgive you. That's tough. That's tough not to hold a grudge. Tough not to just pull that trigger and get justice for us fleshly, earthly self. Let's get to our application. Honor the Lord by treating others, even your enemies, and let the, the way you want fairly, and let the Lord be the one to get justice. Stop holding that grudge. Stop wanting to get revenge and justice every time you've been wronged. Ask the Lord just to pull you through it and move on. Forget it and move on. Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will re reward you. I know it's hard to do, church. It's hard to treat. I mean, I can treat my family and my friends the way I want to be treated. But when it comes to somebody that may have shot my daughter or done me wrong by selling me something that wasn't worth anything or told me they would do something and they didn't do it, it's hard not to get justice and revenge for yourself. You got to treat them the way you would want to be treated. I accidentally shot somebody. <laughs> Please forgive me. I didn't mean to. It was an accident. I've served this earthly time. Now Jesus is going to judge me again. Solomon says in verse 22, he tells us what's going to happen when you treat your enemies the way you want to be treated. He says you'll be heaping coals, burning coals on their head. What's that mean? What does it mean by heaping burning coals on the head of somebody? If you were to take a piece of metal, a piece of hard metal, and you started throwing fiery, coaly burns on them, and just keep heaping it on them, keep pouring it on it. Eventually, that metal's going to get softer and softer and more pliable. Well, when you treat others as you want to be treated, when you give them water to drink because they're hung, uh, thirsty and food to eat, that's what those burning coals are doing. It makes their heart get a little softer. 
and a little softer. And then, and only then, will you be able to tell them about the Lord and the gospel. And after you do that, Jesus will reward you. Church, the Lord is our maker and sustainer. He is that measuring rod that we're to measure our lives by. He is that set of scales for us to balance our life by. We must forgive others and leave revenge to Him. One day, one day, church, the Lord's going to come back. He's coming. And He will judge the world and justice will be served. Amen.